Welcome to this STI podcast. I'm delighted to join Aline Coronromp, who's going to talk to us about um, an exciting new study. It reports gonorrhea and syphilis in low and middle income countries using the Spectrum STI model. So, Alina, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm an epidemiologist. Um, working with Avenir Health, an international NGO um, specialized in decision support for health programs. Um, we work in HIV AIDS, tuberculosis, malaria, uh, other communicable and non-communicable diseases, um, providing tools and software to support decision making, um, estimating and analyzing disease burden and trends and service needs. And um, the STI part of um, our software tools that we develop, which collectively are called Spectrum. Um, the STI part here is the new part, which um, um, I and our team has worked on uh, since about a year. And we're pleased to, uh, to present and publish that with the STI journal um, now. Yeah, we're very excited to see it. And I mean, obviously, many of our readers will have heard of the Spectrum HIV work. So it's, it's really good that this is being um, extended into STI, which is, of course, our main preoccupation. So tell us a bit more about the um, Spectrum STI work that you're publishing here. The development of the, the STI tool was initiated at the request of the World Health Organization, the Reproductive Health and Research Departments, mm-hmm. who deal with international guidance on treatment and planning and strategizing for STI control. And um, the WHO realized at that time that they really lack evidence and good data and estimates of what the burden is for STIs in individual countries and how that burden is developing over time. And um, also, there have not really been estimates of the, the ongoing trends in STIs, if they're, if they're rising or if they're declining, and, and what are the drivers of that, and what would be feasible targets for STI control over coming years. So that really has hampered, if, if you like, um, strategic programming by countries and by the WHO giving their guidance. It also has um, complicated resource mobilization and advocacy for STI control. So the WHO was essentially looking like how this is being done um, in a much more advanced way for HIV AIDS indeed, with support of both the HIV and UNAIDS. And um, there, um, no less than 150 countries across the world are using the spectrum HIV model to estimate their um, levels of infection prevalence and disease from HIV AIDS and mortality as well and where these trends are going, how um, the burden is distributed in the population between men and women by age group and what the corresponding need is for services for AIDS AIDS treatment and for for example um, prevention of mother to child transmission and also needs for prevention. So there the spectrum tool um, which for HIV was developed since about 10 years has really been um, useful and become established. And and now it's the standard of use every year by um, these 150 countries. So you've talked about how there's some of the previous reporting was at regional level. And yet we know for STIs, like for HIV, anywhere there's good surveillance, that there's huge variation, isn't there? Not only by age group, but between areas. Why is it so difficult for us to look at STI incidence and prevalence 
I'm looking at the first place at the data that are being collected, surveillance data. Um, for STIs, most STIs don't have a routine serology test that can easily be tested on blood samples that are collected for right. other purposes. Syphilis here is an exception where, um, in fact, there are quite good data from many countries, notably uh, testing of um, syphilis in in the blood of pregnant women during antenatal care services and mm -hmm. routine screening. And there is also um, surveillance every two years in sample sites um, for syphilis alongside HIV in many countries. So there are quite good data. However, for the other STDs, um, gonorrhea, chlamydia and others, there's not such a simple cheap test that can be administered on samples that are being collected for patient service purposes. And um, by consequence, there's much fewer data. Um, gonorrhea data available are from household, from some surveys, sometimes done in high risk populations and, and uh, less often actually in general adult populations. Um, most, most countries in STI programs do not have funding or priority um, doing surveys of those um, STI prevalences. So actually then there's very little data. What most countries have is case reports of the number of um, STI cases seen in clinics. They will either have um, cases um, of syndromes like urethral discharge in men, which can be due to gonorrhea or chlamydia, or they will have laboratory confirmed diagnosis of gonorrhea if the standard of practice is to do um, a laboratory test confirming the etiology of all patients, but that which is not the case in a lot of um, low-income countries. Um, in either case, whether it is um, syndromic uh, case reports or lab-confirmed case reports, that is only a fraction of the total burden of these STIs. Um, a lot of STI episodes pass without symptoms in the first place, so they can be harmful for the person, mm. but they don't present with symptoms. And so they're not treated and not recorded as a case, um, complicating the statistics and the burden estimation. And secondly, even if STIs are symptomatic, a lot of people, especially women, don't access the services. That's very interesting. So taking into account all those limitations, what did you learn about patterns of STI and how they're changing over quite a long period that you estimated for, actually, isn't it? Initially, we started with 10 countries just to develop and test the method. And then in the um, study that is um, published now in the STI journal, we focus on Zimbabwe and Morocco, where mm -hmm. Zimbabwe is a high STI, high HIV setting, and Morocco a much lower, set, much lower STI setting. In um, both countries, we had fairly good data for syphilis. And um, in both countries, these um, suggested that there is an ongoing decline in syphilis prevalence in adults. Right. So that is an important finding, which is not surprising. That was uh, suggested already by previous estimations, although they were not have not been done explicitly at the level of those countries. What was more surprising was for gonorrhea, where uh, previously there have not really been country estimates. We were able to synthesize the data from both any gonorrhea prevalence surveys and the case report of urethral discharge. And um, in Morocco, there was quite strong evidence that also gonorrhea is declining. So Morocco is making progress here. That was good news. And I think that was not so evident beforehand. 
uh, we see this both in the data for through two, two surveys and in the data from a urethral discharge case reports. In Zimbabwe, by contrast, gonorrhea seems, if anything, to have been rising slowly over the last two decades. And um, the general impression from Zimbabwe before must have been that most STIs, like HIV incidents, has been in decline um, as a response to HIV, where the response probably started in earnest in the 1990s. And HIV incidence has declined a lot in Zimbabwe. So it is perhaps surprising to now find that the best estimate for gonorrhea looks to be a slight recent increase in prevalence to a quite high level, um, which is concerning and which calls for good attention to controlling these STIs in Zimbabwe, a country where the socioeconomic situation may have worsened the past decades, the economic yeah. crisis, um, worsening access to health services, um, people falling out of health insurance. Um, that is worrying. So we see an important message here for Zimbabwe, which may or may not hold for other countries if we proceed to work doing estimations with them that STI burdens are as serious as they have been before, even if in the longer past there may have been declines. So that certainly demonstrates the value of getting more fine-grained country-level and um, no doubt below-country-level estimates, doesn't it? Um, to what extent did you find what you expected to find and to what extent is this disrupting our expectations? I think, yes, for Zimbabwe, this was... Um unexpected, a rising gonorrhea especially. For Morocco, um, the trend itself is perhaps not surprising. Morocco is known for its good HIV response within the um, Eastern Mediterranean region. They are, they are a bit of a leader. They have a good program focusing on key groups. Um, it, it's active. Um, what was surprising in Morocco perhaps is that more recently the data collection has stopped Sentinel surveillance, the last data were collected in 2011, and they Ooh. have done two surveys in the general population, and as well as in women attending clinics of gonorrhea and chlamydia as well, um, of which the last was in 2012. But after 2012, all the data collection has stopped, even for syphilis. Um, unlike other countries, even Zimbabwe, a lower income country, has then transitioned to recording the data from routine um, syphilis screening in antenatal care settings. And now the routine data are the basis also for surveillance. Morocco, by contrast, is rolling out routine universal syphilis screening in ANC, yet it has not established a system to record those data and use them for surveillance. And when we did a pilot workshop in Morocco with their Ministry of Health and the implementing partners in Rabat in September, that came out as a clear recommendation for surveillance. That system is urgently needed. There's a way, well, not a wasted opportunity, let's call it that. That's really worrying, isn't it? And I think, um, I mean, I guess this work really can highlight to governments, to policymakers, through the contrast between different settings, the value and the importance of doing these things well. That sort of network that you've developed is going to help with those arguments, do you feel? I mean, do you think, how do you think this is going to play into debates and what, how Cer will it... Certainly, that is what we developed this for and, and the purpose of the of the tool and, and that's why we've made it user-friendly so that policymakers and program and surveillance experts in country can learn it quickly and apply it themselves and use it to inform their strategies and their priorities and the funding mobilization. Um, in Morocco, it seems that 
it has, well, that was our real first country pilot that it has met that expectation. And we're waiting now to see how the Ministry of Health and the partners are using the new estimates for their national HIV STI strategy for the coming five years, which is being finalized. Um, next pilots, we will be working possibly with Mongolia. Um, there's also interest of some countries in the Latin America and South America region. And we'll see how that goes. That's that's really interesting. And I, and I know that you have a Spectrum website. So um, those of those of us who are promoting the uptake and interest amongst policymakers, um, there are resources out there now to to encourage other governments to to engage. I guess it's very important for those in the public health world to have an understanding of what surveillance needs to look like because our clinicians need to contribute it and partly create the demand, I guess. Correct, yes. There is an Avenir Health website, um, a general one about the Spectrum suite of modeling and software tools. avenirhealth.org slash software-spectrum.php any user can download the package for free. It takes just a few minutes. And there is a manual about Spectrum there as well, a very long manual. So, Aline, as we know, um, congenital syphilis is a really big issue. And it's perhaps rather different in the, in the range of surveillance needs um, from adult syphilis and gonorrhea. How are you addressing this? And do you have any important insights there to tell us about Preventing congenital syphilis is a very easy thing to do in antenatal care setting. It's cheap, it's affordable, it's very cost-effective, and yet a lot of congenital syphilis continues to occur. And um, the WHO has set a global target to eliminate congenital syphilis. Many countries individually have committed to that, including Morocco, uh, for example. Um, it's also the wish by the WHO and Avenir that the spectrum tool be expanded in the near future to also estimate the burdens of congenital syphilis and the trends where they're going. And so um, by consequence, the impact and progress that syphilis elimination programs are making. So we can look forward to seeing these two come a bit closer together. The HIV spectrum and the STI spectrum data are gonna give us a bigger picture of the whole range of STIs, as you say. Eileen, thank you so much. It's been really interesting and I'm sure our readers and listeners will want to look at your manuscript, which is now published in the journal. Um, and we look forward to hearing how Spectrum develops. It's clearly a very important development for our community. Thank you. Indeed, that's my pleasure and our pleasure at Avenir and certainly also by the World Health Organization. And um, yes, we also look forward to um, seeing this applied in more countries and for us getting the feedback how um, the tool could be made even user friendlier and more relevant for what um, STI programs need. So um, thank you very much for the opportunity and we welcome any feedback and suggestions. Thank you. And you can also find an editorial on the Spectrum STI estimates, which is on the STI website. <laughs>